Hi there, my name is Corbin Hannes from Manchurian. I'm joined by my co-host Carl Bowden from Exemplify Leadership. Today we're go on the Discovering Leadership podcast. We've got an incredible guest, James Nasters from Meritrust Credit Union. Carl, what are we going to be talking about today? Yeah, so we're going to be talking about providing an ownership mindset for our team members. Now, the purpose of our podcast is really to, to instill the foundations of leadership within you, our podcast audience. We want you to develop deeper relationships. We want you to start strategizing your business, your life. We want you to help. We want to help you live to your true authentic self. Now we want to build leaders around here. We want to help multiply, you know, the positive impact in our communities. And we ultimately want others to start leading by example. Now with providing an ownership mindset or, you know, establishing that within our team members, we need to give responsibility and then also establish clear communication on task. And, you know, we need to leave room for creativity and innovation and provide support and encouragement throughout developing this ownership mindset. So James is going to tell you a little bit more about that. But before we pull James in, uh, Corbin's going to go briefly over uh, just a little bit about James. All righty. Yeah. So James, really, thank you for joining us again. James has a incredible history and experience. Currently, he's the CEO of Meritrust Credit Union here in Wichita, Kansas. He's been with Meritrust since 2013 and in the credit union and banking industry for more than 30 years. He got his Bachelor of Business Administration and Finance and his MBA back from the University of Texas at Austin. Welcome to the podcast, James. We're really happy to have you here. Thank you. Glad to be with you. So, James, um, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and any of the cool stuff that you currently got going on out there at Meritrust? Yeah, so, uh, of course, Meritrust is the largest credit union in the state of Kansas. So we're very excited about that and how we've been able to grow over the last uh, decade, really serving our members. Uh, like I said, I've been in the credit union industry for quite a while, over 25 years, having previously worked at a credit union in Austin, Texas, as the chief lending officer. So been in those executive roles for, for quite a while and helping to lead organizations to, to grow. Man, that makes sense. You know, I, I use Meritrust for all of my baking, personal and business. And whenever we were planning out the podcast and looking at all the different topics, I was like, you know, who would be great for talking about ownership with their team members? James would be fantastic because every experience that I have with Meritrust, whoever I'm talking to, they're able to help me so well. The culture there is fantastic. I can see it from an external perspective. It seems like everybody really, really loves their job out there. And I was like, we got to get some insight from the guy up top that's creating this culture. He's got to give us some insight and some help on how we can do something like that as well. Well, we appreciate that. We spend a lot of time on culture. Mm. What type of culture would you say you have there at Meritrust? Well, 
if I had to describe it in, in one word, which is actually two words, our, the foundation of it is really servant leadership. And I know uh, that word is used a lot, but for us, it really is something that we actually train and develop our management to because we do feel that if we can show that we care about the entire organization, about the people that work there, about the lives that they lead and their careers and their professional development, um, you know, we subscribe to the, the rising tide lifts all ships. And so if we can create a management structure that truly cares about the people they work with and cares about kind of shepherding them in their careers, uh, that that only not only allows us to have great performers in the organization, as a result, they're able to deliver exceptional member experiences. So it really does um, serve to be a win-win for the entire organization and our members. Yeah, that's huge. Servant leadership. That's really that's really what it comes down to when we're talking about leadership. It's not it's not really about us, but it's about serving the other people that we lead. It is about getting the best out of them. Now, James, I want to ask, you know, in terms of like the structure at Meritrust, is this more of like a free thinking type structure or is it very rigid and kind of stern in your processes and procedures? You know, it's probably a little mix of both. You know, we certainly promote uh, more of a free thinking environment and allowing people to kind of look at problems and come up with solutions on their own. And then we kind of vet those solutions and maybe come up with a variety of options. But the reality of it is, even within my executive team and, and folks that report directly to me, some thrive better in a free thinking environment. Some prefer a little bit more structure and a lot of it has to do maybe with their level of experience or just their personality type. So it, it's a good mix of both. And, but it, it tends to lean towards more of the free thinking side. And, you know, I'm lucky I can go to my executive team and say, Hey, we have a problem. And e even though I may have an idea of how I might want to solve it, uh, usually, um, I'm transparent with them and say, here, this is what I was thinking, but take it, uh, kind of think that through yourself or maybe come up with some other solutions that might even work better. So it, it's probably a good balance, but I, I would certainly say we, we like to promote a level of three thinking because we think the better ideas come from that. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, would you say that there's a specific amount of balance that you need to hold uh, between say the structure of everything. I know banking is a highly regulated industry and uh, there's, there's certainly a limit on how much free flow you can have because of that. How much would you say that holds you back from allowing people to be creative and owning some of their uh, tasks or yeah. workload? It, it is a heavily regulated industry, but I, I don't know that that directly affects the level of free thinking. I mean, it, it, Regulation certainly is table stakes. We can't do anything that would certainly jeopardize either our capital position or allow us to violate our, our regulatory framework. However, you know, once those are kind of the table stakes, once you get beyond that, there's still a lot of ideas that can exist uh, outside of that. And as long as we comply with that, we've got a, a full risk department that keeps us in line. But uh, Usually it doesn't really hold us back too much from coming up with good ideas. 
Now, James, you had mentioned that there's different levels, you know, where someone might have to have more free thinking, a more of a free thinking mindset versus more of a structured mindset. What are those different levels in the organization where someone might have to be a little bit more free thinking versus very rigid in structure? You know, it's, we do have some levels within the organization. And as you move up through those levels, uh, certainly the, the amount of free thinking tends to get larger. You know, I have the executive team, those that report to me, and they know that their primary responsibility is the organization. And while they each kind of have responsibilities over certain parts of the organization, when, when push comes to shove and we're trying to make decisions on things, they know that their role is to make the decision that's best for the organization. And while it may not necessarily be free thinking, it's thinking to the level of thinking beyond just what they are directly responsible for. Below them is a level we, we call the director level. And, you know, they're certainly more task oriented, but for many of them, they're, you know, they're future members of our executive team. And so what they're doing is exercising their ability to kind of free think and come up with solutions. And uh, certainly some are much better at it than others, uh, but we certainly actively promote that. Uh, but, you know, they have a mix of responsibility between making sure what they need to do for their area of responsibility gets done, but also appreciating that uh, our role as executive leaders is to make a decision ultimately that's in the best interest of the organization. And then it kind of goes down from there. And certainly as you get down lower in the organization, it's much more around uh, task oriented. But, you know, there are, there are free thinkers being developed every day. And so they continue to rise through the organization uh, from each level within the organization. Wow. That makes sense. Uh, it sounds like everybody's got a common purpose that they're working and achieving towards. Yeah, we're actually working on that. Uh, we actually <laughs> have uh, really come to understand the importance of having a common purpose in the organization uh, that supports our mission. And so we're actually uh, in the process right now of kind of defining that. We have our mission statement uh, to improve the lives of our members and the communities we serve, but we are coming up with a purpose that helps us uh, define what exactly it means to improve the lives of our members. And we want to be able to rally all 350 of our uh, employees around that common purpose, regardless of what their role is. And, and for us, it's around providing a pathway to financial health for our members and our communities. And so that's actually something we're working on pretty aggressively right now. That makes sense. So it sounds like through that purpose and through that mission statement, you're really giving everybody their own ownership um, in the different levels of the organization. What would you say some of the greatest benefits of establishing ownership through these levels would be? Well, if people kind of see it as their responsibility, as their ownership to do a good job within the organization, you know, that certainly translates into better member experiences because they care enough about making sure that our mission is realized for all of our members. And whether it's you know, a, a branch manager or someone who oversees our IT department or our mortgage department, um, if, if they own that process, then they care about it being successful. And, you know, we measure, we measure our member satisfaction in the different ways that they interact with us. And we have a good set of managers that know that that's important, that they know ultimately 
our responsibility is to provide a great experience for our members. And when their ownership of that is at a very, very high level, we tend to see much greater success because it truly shows that they care about the organization and the people we serve. And in particular, even the people that work there. And it brings about a bigger sense of teamwork, a bigger sense of collaboration uh, that certainly supports an effective culture of servant leadership. Wow. So if they own, if they own the tasks, they care that much more about what they do and they want to see success in that. Right. If if they see it as their own responsibility and not just, I, you know, I have this part of the process and I just need to make sure I, I do that process right. It's not just about doing it's right, right. It's about doing it in a way that supports our overall mission uh, for our members. And so that to me defines ownership. It's not just getting the tasks done, but getting them done in a way that supports our overall organizational mission. Yeah. What, what is really going to benefit the over the overall mission, the vision, the purpose of Meritrust, you know, you have to have everyone kind of come together as one united to accomplish that. Now, right. James, I want to ask, you know, when it comes to like a centralized or decentralized structure at Meritrust, you know, what, what type of structure do you use with Meritrust? And is there a balance between that? Um, so centralized, you know, being kind of more rigid and then decentralized, you know, having kind of separate parts with their own freedom within the organization. What would you say Meritrust has? Well, it really kind of has to be a mix. There are certainly things, you mentioned regulatory issues that are certainly much more centralized. We really need strong subject matter experts in those areas to make sure that for those of us that want to free think more, that we certainly stay within the lanes as much as we need to with regard to those things. And, you know, we certainly centralize some very important uh, areas around regulatory compliance, cybersecurity, uh, certainly the as a financial institution, protecting the information that our members provide to us and their financial resources. So those types of items are very, very centralized to make sure that we have good central control to make sure we're not doing things that violate either uh, our stature as a financial institution or the trust that people put into us. Beyond that, how we develop products and services, how we develop uh, our business development opportunities, how we develop our community giving, those all uh, really more live within a decentralized area. While we may have obviously people that have certain functions within the organization, we expect a high level of collaboration so that people are bringing in their peers and talking through opportunities and ideas um, in a very decentralized way. And so there may be a business development opportunity. We may have a business development officer, but their goal is to work with others in the organization to make that as successful as possible. Yeah. So I want to ask a question about establishing goals. So how much freedom do you provide, you know, some of your leaders to establish their goals with their team? So our board, so we have a board of directors, obviously, that uh, manages my performance, and they have a set of organizational goals that we've established at the beginning of every year. And so that then kind of obviously moves down through the organization. We have 
goals that support those overall goals. And um, everyone knows what they are and everyone figures out, okay, how can I help the whole organization be successful and support those organizational goals? And they're around not only financial performance, but also growth. Uh, we obviously feel that growth is important for us as an organization because it represents uh, that we are relevant to our members and continuing to provide a level of service that they find value in. And then also we have goals around engagement, whether it's member engagement with us or our employees engagement within the organization. And so everyone, we share those freely. I talk about those all the time when I'm in meetings uh, with other team members, with other leaders in the organization. And then they take those uh, and they work within their structure to, under, to identify how they can support those organizational goals at the department level or um, other levels within the organization. That's awesome, James. So you had mentioned that everybody knows the goals. Everybody is on the same page within the organization. For everybody to be on the same page, something that's very integral to that is communication. How how often do you say you communicate the tasks that need to get done or see these goals, whatever it might be, to make sure that everybody is on the same page? Well, communication is important, and I'll, I'll certainly clarify what you just said. Everyone is given the opportunity to be on the same page. If I'm completely honest, obviously, yep. uh, with 350 people, uh, we certainly run in time to time the people who are not on the same page or haven't really understood the message or interpreted it differently. Sense. And so, but we know that the key to making that as minimal as possible is communication. And so uh, I have, and I've, this is a lesson I've learned uh, in many, sometimes the hard way as I've kind of come up through the ranks about the importance of communication. And, and particularly now as CEO, you know, I look for every opportunity where I can engage with every level of the organization and talk about what our organizational goals are, what our culture is, to kind of help make sure there's plenty of opportunity for those that want to understand how our organization works and, and how we operate and our core values, then um, there's they have that opportunity to get that knowledge and that information. Even down to the point where we do performance evaluations every year, they're measured against our, our core values, and that's really all they're measured against. Uh, and everything they do, whether it's production or performance is all measured within the context of those core values. And so we have a we have one person that's dedicated to internal communication. And so they work with me and the other members of my leadership team and other departments to make sure that we have regular ongoing communication um, for everyone in the organization about what's going on. You're almost to the point where you almost have to feel like you're over communicating and then maybe you've reached the point where you think it's enough. <laughs> that makes sense. So um, in all of that, you're saying there's some issues, especially which is trying to make sure people are on the same page. That's especially considering a lot of people communicate in a lot of different ways. And that, that could be on an individual basis or with you guys having a balance of a decentralized and centralized structure that could be within different teams. Uh, right. Where where would you say some of the more prevalent issues uh, stem from? Would it be more so on the individual basis or through that mix of structure? Well, you know, if, if I think about it, I think it's really how 
it's tied usually if if something goes off track it's usually because there wasn't maybe a clarity of communication or just i think it's usually tied to people's interpretation of the message and uh you know i may say hey we're, this is the direction we're going and three people may interpret that in three different ways and so then the obligation becomes on me to make sure that i'm communicating in a way that uh minimizes that and kind of makes it crystal clear on the direction that we're going as an organization. So I, I think some of it may stem That's from either uh, a lack of effective communication on our part or just the nature of people and the way they interpret messages. That's true. You know, we, we always have to look at ourselves first. You know, are we communicating this effectively? Are we communicating it often enough. And, you know, James, you had mentioned that sometimes you're communicating so much that it's just getting beaten down really in, in some yeah. of your employees' brains, you know? Yeah. And what, well, but they only so hear that's, it usually that's once. Huge. And- uh, we have to almost over communicate so we can really get the message across. So everyone is on the same page. They have the same values going forward. That's correct. And, and, you know, usually I, you know, I'll hear a message four or five times because I'll hear it in every meeting at every uh, level within the organization, but that's okay. We've got to fight against kind of burnout with that regard. Well, this is the fifth time I've delivered this message or heard this message. Uh, and we, we have several points of communication within Meritrust that, that even I'm directly involved with every month. I have lunch with a group of employees just to answer their questions. Every Friday, I put out uh, a communication that's called Dear James, and where I talk about what's going on in the organization from my perspective and answer their questions. And actually, right now, um, uh, I've been in the process of meeting with every single employee in groups of 15, and, and we're talking about our strategy, we're talking about our performance, uh, we're talking about um, our culture and answering their questions. So it is just an ongoing process of communication. And, and that's, that's developed over time. We haven't always been that successful with that, but we've learned uh, through trial and error the importance of just regular, consistent, ongoing communication at all levels. And that as much as we would like to, we can't even rely all the time on the management level to communicate that because, again, they may interpret it a different way. And sometimes things are important enough that they need to come from the leadership team or myself directly. Hello. James, I don't know if you can hear us, but uh, we might have lost you on the call. Uh, yeah, he got jumped out. Well, that'll be something I'm sure he'll be able to join back in. We're sitting here talking about communication issues and then uh, look at what we're going through. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounded it sounded like to me with some of his stories, you know, sometimes you have to over communicate things. That reminds me of a story of when I was at K-State and Bill Snyder, the head football coach there, 
he would always communicate the same story right at the start of the season. Hey, hey, I think we dropped there you. There we go. He's back. Yeah. So, I mean, we were kind of reflecting on what you're talking about in terms of, you know, almost over communicating and making sure, you know, that same message is being consistent among all levels of the organization. And, you know, it kind of reminded me of Bill Snyder at K-State. So I don't know if you're a K-State fan or not, but, you know, I when I was going there, uh, he would always start out with the same story of coming to K-State and uh, just talking about the people. That was the reason why he chose K-State. And since since that time, K-State has always had a culture of family. And that that message has been continually communicated year after year after year. And it even got to the point where, you know, the stadium at K-State is called Bill Snyder Family Stadium. So that message is one of the core messages of some of K-State's values. And I think it's, you know, it definitely ties back to what you do at Meritrust. Yeah, that is very true. You have to have that direct, you know, kind of presence with people. You have to be with people. They have to see your face, hear hear your voice to show that, you know, you care. <laughs> You're there for, for, for the people. It comes back to your core value of servant-minded leadership. Now, you know, I want to ask a question. You know, when it comes to support and encouragement, you know, throughout leading your people at Meritrust, you know, how often do you do that? And in what ways do you establish that ownership mindset?
Yeah, I like how you met them where they are. You're you're trying to understand your people, you know, through surveys. You have a very uh, you know well thought out feedback loop in terms of keeping that communication, you know, keeping it up. That makes sense, James. You know, again, I think that you've really been a great example of how culture can make an impact within the business and the community in general. Meritrust's purpose that you were speaking about today, your mission, I think you guys are doing a fantastic job of living it and being an example and that's coming from one of your members like i said i i do everything so with you guys and i'm <laughs> nothing but happy with you so keep it up keep keep doing a fantastic job i'm i know you're a busy man especially being a, a leader of a large or well to me it's a large organization at the very least um so i really really appreciate your time thank you so much for joining us and all of this information, it's super valuable. I hope our listeners got some really great advice out of it and some stuff, some points that you can apply to your own life, whether it's your personal, family, or your business experience. Uh, it's super, super great stuff. I know I'm going to be taking a couple pointers home. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, James. We do want to give you the opportunity. Is there anything that you would like to share with our podcast audience?
Uh, well, thank you again. Once, once again, James, like your input to this podcast has been invaluable. It's been amazing. And I know our podcast listeners are really going to benefit a lot from this. Now, our next, our next episode is actually going to continue with the delegation series. And we're going to be talking about living to each member's strengths. Now, for our podcast audience, you guys can catch this on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, uh, and you can also catch it every other Tuesday. Yep, and if you'd like to check us out on social media, go to insurian.com. That's E-N-T-U-R-I-A-N.com. You can also check us out on exemplifyleadership.com. We're posting all the video content on the Insurian YouTube channel. Go follow us on social media so that you don't miss an episode. And don't forget that alone we survive, but together we thrive. Thanks for joining us today.